what's up, everybody? You're watching on the town. I'm your host, Tanya. And yes, you do hear feedback. Have no idea why. Uh, but be, be patient with us. Uh, so tonight we're talking about victim shaming. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but most people are um, like 90% of people, according to Rain, know their abuser. And often, um, when when you know your abuser, like if you grew up together with them, oftentimes you'll find that family members and their family members will attack the person abused and make them feel bad. So we're here to talk about that tonight. And joining me are two of my very special guests, author uh, and survivor, Elizabeth Graybill. Her book is entitled Unbreakable Me. Please go get it. And please subscribe to her YouTube channel which we'll leave in the end. And also joining us is LCSWR, you'll have to explain what that one is, KSAC, uh, trauma therapist, survivor of sexual abuse, drug treatment program, inpatient psych supervisor, Miss Betty Dudas. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? Hello to both of you ladies. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you both. Um, so I guess what the first thing I'll do is I'm going to play this one video of this young lady and then we'll dive in. That sounds good. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sorry, Liz. I'm trying not to. Uh, let's see if I can move it over to the side and go like. Let's talk about victim blaming with a narcissist. A tactic that narcissists will use where they basically pull the carpet from underneath your feet. And they typically do this when they either have no control, they know that you're picking up their patterns, and they feel like they're losing their mask. Victim blaming is extremely difficult. And it makes you probably really want to go insane. Because after all the abuse and the chaos that you were submitted to in the relationship, after finally getting into the healing process and wanting to speak your truth and what you've been through and have others even relate with you, because that's super therapeutic and healing, the narcissist hates that. They hate when you find support, they hate when they lose control, and they hate holding themselves accountable to something they actually are. So the next step is to blame you, to now make it look like you were the person that was abusing them. So they might try to harass you, make you feel bad or guilty, plaster you online to friends and family. But remember that you're the survivor here. Narcissistic manipulators are fake, fragile, and they are cowards. Stand your ground. Stitch this video and tell me of a time when you woke up. I was sexually abused by a male adult family member for months when I was 13 years old. For 15 years, I pretended to have a happy and loving relationship with this person. But then I had a daughter. And one day when she was just a couple of months old, it clicked. All those years, I carried so much shame and I blamed myself for his choices. But holding and loving my beautifully innocent daughter reminded me that I was also beautifully innocent. I came forward to my entire family and he admitted to what he did. But my cousins, aunts, uncles, grandmother, and my own mother refused to cut their relationship with him. So I cut off my entire family and hired a lawyer to get justice for what he did. And today I live an abundantly full life where I'm on a journey to healing myself. Wow. So that is a lot. Ladies, let's go back to our screen here. Um, thank you so much for joining me. So as you can see two videos, um, victim shaming, that seems to be a very, uh, a very big thing. Um, but what I wanted to do 
Elizabeth, we're here to promote your book. Right, right. Unbreakable me. If you have a please do. Let's get a copy. Where am I over there? <laughs> and that's because this book, I can assure you, is so refreshing. Uh, it's it's told from not only a victim's uh, standpoint, but a warrior, a survivor. Mm. Very important. So, because usually warriors and survivors can give you lessons that you need mm. while you're in whatever you're in. So, I suggest you pick up the book for that very reason. Um, but I'd like to read, and then we'll go into dialogue and questions. And if any of our viewers have any questions, please feel free to uh, to put it in the chat for us, and we'll get to it before the end of the show. Uh, so. Um, I hope you don't mind, trigger warning, um, this piece is a little hard. I'm not going into detail, but just to let you know. Um, Elizabeth's book on page 62. Um, I was raped by my brother of my daughter's father in 1980. I went looking for the person who later became my daughter's father. He stayed around the corner from me. And at the time they sold weed. Back then, we had these rooming houses where people rented rooms. So, and so I went over the one day looking to see if he was there. He wasn't, but his brother was. At the time, I didn't have a reason not to trust him. So he invited me to come in. I saw no threat, and we were all friends, and we all we all hung out together many times before. But that changed very quickly once the door was closed. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is very deep. So mm -hmm. to dive into this, um, the incident you're talking about, um, mm -hmm. how did the family respond to you after you finally did come clean about that? Well, um, I think in the beginning, um, I believe in my heart that they kind of knew that he was a predator, right? Um, because I wasn't the first one that he, uh, that an incident had occurred in our circle of friends with. And there was another young lady and I remember years ago, you know, she had said some things that had happened with him um, and he tried to attack her. And I remember his sisters who I was, I'm still very close with, right? I remember at the time they all attacked her and they all, you know, and this was after my incident, by the way. So, you know, when I look back at that, you know, I, 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 I can see why I didn't say anything because I was watching this girl be attacked from the family of the, perp the, the person who was the perpetrator, right? And she's trying to tell, you know, people this happened and they're telling her, no, you're a liar. You're, you know, that didn't happen. You're this and you're that. And I think that when I seen that, that stopped me in my tracks, number one. I was not, you know, I was not prepared for the repercussions of what I had seen her go through, right? Mm -hmm. I, I just wasn't. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I think the other part was, uh, you know, they had a big family. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm an only child. I had no brothers, no sisters. So I was, you know, I was really on my own. And so, um, yeah, it, it was very, it was very, very scary. Um, and I, you know, I was listening to the girl say how she thought that we had this great relationship for you know so many years. Well, that's kind of how I felt in that in that situation, you know, because I've always maintained my friendship with the family. 
you know, uh, not so much him, but you know, when I would see him, whenever I did, I kind of kept my distance, but still never said anything. And of course I had a child by his brother, right? And I never told him anything, you know, because of the guilt and the shame and the remorse and, and the thinking that, you know, maybe, just maybe I did something, maybe I could have prevented it. Maybe I shouldn't have went there. Mm. No, you know, just all these different things. And so yeah, it was difficult. Well, Betty, um, don't, don't you find that that's often a thing where, um, you know, victims often will will blame ourselves and say, well, I shouldn't have wore the, the low skirt. I shouldn't have went to this place. I shouldn't have did that. When the reality is that person was just a monster. Yeah, um, actually, it's very common uh, for someone to blame him or herself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to begin with this. Uh, you, Tanya, you mentioned um, earlier that um, statistically survivors of sexual abuse have been, the majority have been sexually abused by someone that they know. Mm-hmm. It's usually someone that they know, someone that knows the family. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's why it's so difficult for the survivor to process it. Right. It can be a family member, uh, you know, a priest, um, yeah. a brother, family a sister, mm-hmm. a father, mm-hmm. a mother. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, the whole idea is when the perpetrator is, mm-hmm. when the perpetrator actually even think about sexually abusing someone, mm-hmm. they tend to look for someone who's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yes. They go by your temperament. Yes. You know, they have the ability to even try to court you before Absolutely. they actually make that move. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. And that, would you, yes. Would you, and um, you yeah. know, and you know, and, and that vulnerability is someone who may be shy or someone who is um having difficulty within right. their own life. Right. They pick up on that. Yes. And they take advantage of that. You know, we, we, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut in, but we were talking about that the other day. And I said, most of the time, the percentage of, of victims who are sexual assaulted, um, it's always by someone that we know. Yes. Very rare that it's from a stranger. Absolutely. That it makes it that much harder Yes. To come to terms, like you said, mm-hmm. to come to terms with the fact that these are people you know, and sometimes these are people that you love. Yes. Exactly. Your, your family, you know, mm-hmm. these are people that you are close with. And so, yeah, I think for me, in my case, mm-hmm. that really made it that much more difficult. Mm. Because even being molested as a child, right? Mm-hmm. It was a friend, a very close friend of my grandfather, right? And so it was, it was, it was very difficult for me. I mean, how do you say that? You know, you just, it, it just made it really, really hard for me. Well, first I was young, I couldn't even comprehend. And then yes. there other things going on yes. at that time as well, because, you know, I was dealing with a whole flur of issues. Yes. Right. Yeah. All going on in my family. So, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was, yeah. Well, I, also, mm-hmm. go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, the other thing is that a lot of times it can be generational. Mm. where it can go from one generation to other. Yeah. You know, it can go on and on and on. It usually does. And if, 
Yes, and it I becomes mean, like a family norm yeah. where a child yes. or family members are being sexually abused. Sometimes there are two or three or maybe four other individuals within the family yes. that are being violated by this perpetrator. Mm. Yes, they usually, oh, and that's the thing, whether it's in a family or whether it's a family friend, I often found that um, like, uh, there was multiple people and it was all, multiple people in the family. So maybe the sister didn't tell the other sister, but I can yes. almost assure you, especially the younger the kid is, I can almost, I can almost 99.9% .9 guarantee you that there is another victim in that household if there's a kid in the house. Exactly. They, well, no, they wouldn't do that to their kid. Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. Because if you could do it to any kid, that right. tells you there's this, that piece that stops you from doing crazy mm -hmm. stuff is missing already. That's, that's yep. missing. Because you didn't have a filter to say, this is a three-year-old, this is a nine-year-old, this is a 12. You didn't have that filter. So what makes you think there's going to be a filter like, this is my daughter? Like, step right. This mm -hmm. is that up. So that's why I think, ladies, it's very important, if you can, and if you're safe, to tell. Because right. of two reasons. It's healing, and it stops the abuser dead in his track or her tracks often. Don't, And that's another thing. Don't forget, sometimes abusers are women. I know women right. That were, it's usually men, but there are many women who go under the radar. Right. And that's and, and, and you're right. And there's another price that we pay, right? Because psychologically, yes, it wears on the victim. Oh, you know? Absolutely. I'm telling you, I psychologically, you know, and I'm gonna tell you, this thing had affected me in so many areas of my life mm -hmm. that um, you know, like once I started my process in the healing, you know area of my life, mm -hmm. it was almost like I started to discover how crucial these events were to me, you know, being, you know, trying to live in this world and, and function yes. as a normal person, right? Yes. I mean, right. I, even when I had kids, I'm telling you, this is so psychological that it's so crazy. I still, till this day, I'm going to tell you this, mm -hmm. when I had my children, I didn't realize it in the beginning, but I started to realize the uncomfortability that I had, even caring for my child when it came down to changing their diapers, to doing, like I felt mm -hmm. like if I was to go down and even wipe right. my child's behind, right. that I was doing something wrong. Right. And it, it really started psychologically messing with me to the point where I was, I felt so bad to have to do something that mothers, that's a normal thing right. for a mother to do. Right. Like yeah. I just felt the guilt and I was like, oh my God. And you know, I talked to somebody about that and I remember them telling Liz, you're not them. No. You exactly. know, you're not them. You can't do this to yourself, especially with my son for some reason. Yes. It was really, really bad with him. Right. Like I could not clean his private parts right without having all this stuff come up and yeah. i yeah. and it trickled down all the way to my grandchildren you know yeah. they would ask me ma can you change and i'd be like no i don't want to do that right you no know? and it was not because i didn't want to you know right. it, because because i just didn't feel comfortable touching another human being in that way right Absolutely. Well, also, it, it brings up recalls the trauma because i felt that way when the age that i started getting abused was the age that where I started 
thinking back to that, if I had to, you know, I was like, um, this is really uncomfortable. And like you said, my therapist was like, that's not you. So it's, you know, I should say so because that's yeah. my thing. It was really about being a child. I think it was yeah. really more so that they were kids. Yes. And I think that that's, that was the, the bigger part for me is that I felt very uncomfortable touching a child. Well, yeah. kind of way, right? It reminded me of my abuse. Yeah, That's and it was like, you know, but why do I feel like that? Because I know I'm not that type of person. Right. You yeah. know, I never, you know, but psychologically, it's still there, right? Yeah. It, still, mm -hmm. it still wears on you. You still you don't want to be, and you fight so hard not to become what they are. Exactly. Right? Absolutely. You're just well, like, I don't ever want to be categorized as someone who ever did anything to a child. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, it's-, it's yeah. What were you saying, and, Betty? Sorry. And what it sounds like and what it is, is basically having psychosomatic reactions right. due mm -hmm. to that trauma. Yeah. So let me give you an example. When a child is being violated, mm -hmm. remember we don't, as children, Mm -hmm. uh, you, you don't have the ability to protect yourself. Right. However, there are psychosomatic reactions that would occur due to the trauma, such as mm -hmm. having a, an out-of-body experience. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you're being violated, some children, what they're due would like begin to think of other things when that's happening, because mm -hmm. it's too difficult for them to mm -hmm. process it. Yeah. So yes. their mind, like they'll have, they'll have, their mind will be elsewhere. Right. Another thing is bedwetting, you know, when mm -hmm. children are bedwetting, people may it. think that they, you know, they have just a problem bedwetting, but it's because of the trauma. Yep. Yep. Right. The yeah. other thing, when they go to school, they may go to school and they may daydream because mm -hmm. of the fact mm -hmm. that they are focusing on the trauma and they cannot focus on the classwork. Mm -hmm. And that's as children. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. When you become an adult, mm -hmm. sometimes those thoughts become <laughs> distorted mm. or you try to block them out. Yes. yes. Right? I know you have heard of the term of multiple personality disorders. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Why do we call it per multiple personality disorders? Mm. Because when you are being violated by a perpetrator, mm -hmm. you have to put on an act. Yes. Then when you are around family members, but you I'm have right. to put on an act. Yes. Over time, you begin to lose yourself yes. and you don't know who you are. Mm. Wow. So that diagnosis has been changed from multiple personality disorders to yeah. dissociative identity disorder. Yes, wow. yes, mm. yes. And, you know, and, and how it affects one's life is you're trying to block it out. And in yeah. the meantime, you are losing your yeah. own identity. Yes, it's a protection mechanism set up it's by a, the body. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, and that's and it's that's a good thing. It's just unfortunately some people go far in. They can't get it. They can't get those um, personalities back. I don't know how to uh, say it, but but so while they, while they protect themselves with Mary and Jane and Tom, whoever else yes. came up yeah. with, um, that was great. It was brilliant because the body knows how to protect you. But that's right. over 
and now that you've gotten out into the real world and you've gotten help and the person's even dead or gone, you can't stop the clock. I call it, I call it, I call it for me, mm -hmm. I would call it like I created this, this fantasy place that I lived in, right? Yeah. And yeah. my family was great. Everybody was great. Mm -hmm. I was great, you know, right. and none of it was true. Right. right. None right. of it was true. Because right. from a dysfunctional family, they right. were, yeah. listen, they were crazy, okay? They still yeah. are. You know, and, and you know what? And a part of me is too. So I'm not going to just put it all on them. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I did not realize that until my pro my healing process, until I mm -hmm. got into recovery, until I started working on myself, until, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the clouds started opening up and I could start seeing things. And it was almost like, oh, wow, like these people right. are not the people that I created. Absolutely. I, I created Absolutely. this world right. that was just like, what? Like, no, my family was. And you know what? And and I think, you know, when I realized that, and you just, and you said it, oh my God, it, it, it's exactly what I did. Mm. I, when I started to realize that I, that this was not perfect. Right. And there was a lot, I mean, there was so much stuff that started to, to, to present itself and I started to see, and I'm like, oh my God, how did I get through my 50, 40 something years wow. in, this, in, this, in this bubble, right? Mm -hmm. You know, how did I even survive this? Mm. You know, and, and now, you know, reality's looking at me in my face and I'm just like, whoa. That was like, I think for me, that was just, I could not believe it. I just, it wow. was, it was unbelievable. Yes. You really have to say to yourself, those people are not the people you created, Liz. Right. Exactly. Protecting, because not only was I trying to protect myself, right. In a, in a twisted way, I was really, I was trying to protect them too. Right. right? I wasn't right. trying to expose them. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so and now, let's talk about that. Yes. Expose, yes. That's, let's transition to that. Exposing. Um, oh. because you, I don't know if you know this, but only 25 out of a thousand, uh, 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 sexual abusers will go to jail or attackers will go to jail. So that's all the assault together. Mm -hmm. uh, can you believe that? 25 out of a thousand. Mm. So that means that woohoo, there's a lot of people lingering around here. Absolutely. A lot of people. And that's important to talk about, um, transition to that next piece about, um, you know, um, how, what'd you just say? How, um. Well, listen, you know, this, my, my transition was that is, you know, once I think that when, when you are, and, 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 I, and this is just the truth, right? We survivors, yes, it's very difficult to tell, but when you do, mm -hmm. we have to also understand, although it's freeing right. and it's healing, right? there are also consequences that are going to come behind that as well, right? Yes. Which is what I found was that I was almost being victimized all over again. Exactly. Not hearing people defend the person who victimized me. That's and I'm right. Like, hey, myself, like, what? Mm -hmm. yeah. they, like, told me, they told me to get over it. You know, and no, yeah. and I, I mean, it got to the point where I told, you know, I was speaking with Ty just recently. I got a text message like one o'clock in the morning from the sister of the person who raped me and was like, well, how come you didn't say this and you're not going to disparage my brother and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, excuse me, I got, 
I mean, I literally had to have a conversation. I called her up at one o'clock in the morning and I told her, don't you ever text my phone or call me again with this BS, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know that it's true. Right. And that's the end of story, right? That's the end of story. I don't care right. how anybody- well, You don't have to justify- And I'm not, you know- People yeah. who abuse you or people who are raised with the abuser who don't want to believe you. You don't have to justify but, that. But you know, the thing that, that, that really got me was, you knew this. I believe in my heart, you guys knew he was a predator. Right. Because there was not one incident, two incidents, there were three, right? right? That we all know of in our little circle, right? right? Mm -hmm. But they still try to defend the behavior and the sickness, and you know what? And although they said they were sorry, they actually apologized for him to me. And then two seconds later, they're texting me. <laughs> well, you know, you know, what kind of bipolar moment are you having? No, but think oh. about what that means, because this is, this is a real thing. Remember, if you grew up with the abuser's family or your friends with them, or let's say it was my dad's friend or your brother's friend or your cousin or whoever it is, they have people too, right? Even though we used to see them as monsters, they have people. So they get caught in the matrix of a few things. One, don't shame my family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Two, don't shame my family and embarrass my family. Mm -hmm. Right. And they keep going on and on because it comes back to spotlight them yeah. and not right. on the person mm -hmm. whose life they ru almost ruined exactly See, standing so so they mm -hmm. didn't they didn't quite succeed but they almost ruined and as we know there's plenty of people who are not here anymore because of sexual abuse they're not yeah. they didn't make it like we did so we were able to build walls and protect ourselves some people yes. could not do that mm -hmm. and that's why it's important for any victim to know that you know you know, don't, you know, stand, I said, you said it yesterday. You didn't say stand your ground. What'd you say? Stand, um, you said something very prevalent yesterday. And I said, who's that for? You said no, for the victim. Um, wait, what was that? Somewhere, wait. You're talking about, you talking Yeah, you said Are you talking to me? Yeah, you talking to Take back your life? No, what did you say? Oh, man. What I said was, you know, I, had to learn how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's it, right? right. I had to learn being uncomfortable with my truth, That's right? It. And so what I also said is they do too. Yes. So the same way that I got to be uncomfortable with being, you know, being uh, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it, it goes for them too, right? Exactly. Uh, this is not a comfortable subject for mm -hmm. anybody involved. Nope. Whether it be family members, mm -hmm. whether it be the person himself, whether it be whoever. So, you know, it is, this is what it is, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Sorry. I'm so no, excited. Because you know I'll forget. Um, <laughs> everybody knows that. Um, well, the thing about that is what happens is um, also you forget that um, you, for, you lose uh, once you tell. And bring it out like you're relieved, like yes, finally got this on my chest, and maybe somebody else wanted to get abused. So that's the two great things about it. But the bad thing is, somebody like me that was a foster kid, I I really thought that they were like my brothers, like that was my family. Like oh, mm -hmm. so, I was so excited. I I can't tell you, I was just so excited. Like oh, I added on somebody in my family. This is great. Oh, I mean, I was just I was oh, just so excited. And then for that to happen is like uh oh. So what does this mean for holiday dinners? And then you got to sit around the person for holidays. 
for every holiday mm -hmm. and pretend yeah. like nothing ever happened. My therapist mm -hmm. said, it took me years. She said, why do you keep going home for Christmas? I said, well, because I have, you know, family. And it was, it was just a, to, as a foster kid, it's just, I can't explain it. It's a, it's just a beautiful thing to be able to be around for Christmas or Thanksgiving and everybody's there and everybody's talking and like, oh, we're going to play a game. We're going to play checkers. We're going to, oh, you know, that whole thing. There's like precious. It's like a gold diamond stone for us. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So when that happened, it all of it became black, like with soot on it. It became mm -hmm. like, well, you can have it, but you're going to have to sit in this suit. You can have it, but they're going to have. And that's kind of what happens when you're a victim and you know the, the person is a family member or if it's the foster family member, there's a foster family member, um, or which I consider a family member. So to me, it's still, it would be classified as incest, although technically speaking, not because we weren't the same from the, we weren't born out of the same parents. So technically, but in my head, it was a brother. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So that shattered. So for victims, you often their world gets shattered because if it's your dad's best friend, yes. what are you going to say? What's going to happen? How awkward is this going to be? You do barbecues together. You do family vacations together. Oh, they watch your kids, which is dangerous, but they do all this stuff. You know, I knew a new young lady, the, the father's best friend was babysitting since they were five and he was molesting all the little five-year-olds. Five and they never told nobody. I mean, nobody. So when it did come out, one of the persons had deceased, but the rest were like, um, well, yeah. So they kind of like ignored it and they still talked to him. I'm like, y'all are just as unfunctional as it possibly can get. This is just, this is so dysfunctional. I, I'm waiting for this car to crash into the bridge because it's going to crash. You cannot be around your abuser at from five years old and be like, yeah, everything's really cool. Because right. they already were displaying the symptoms of their of, of, of the yeah. abuse out like out as adults they're they're displaying all these behaviors like promiscuous being very promiscuous yeah. um allowing just any old thing in your life or any old you know situation to pop up uh really dysfunctional but because they were rich you know you you may not see it but me, you know because well we could see it all three of us because you're a specialist and you've been in it you're a specialist you know about we know about this so we know but the average person wouldn't know because the father was somebody a big time i'll just say attorney and all this other stuff. So that's another thing. Now I'm just like, well, wait a minute, is this going to mess up my dad's career, my dad's image, my mom's image, or my sister, or my brother played football with this person? Now what is that? It's going to become awkward. So like yeah. you said, you have to be comfort comfortable in the awkwardness. You got to, as Oprah says, you got to sit in it. You got to sit Yeah, I think the biggest thing for survivors is uh, getting a network, getting support. You know, when, you're ready, when you're ready to come forward, it is very important to have some other people, mm -hmm. you know, that you can turn to, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Because you can't just go in this alone, okay? Because That's you're going to find that, and I and I found that by sharing mm -hmm. my story and sharing mm -hmm. a lot of my truths, it got very, very lonely, yes. you know, because people mm -hmm. will distance themselves. They yes. will move away because they don't want to be caught up in that uh even with yep. the racism that goes that, that i went through with my family you know right. i'm exposing something and right. now i'm looking at my family and you just said it it's yeah. like okay now how do i how <laughs> right. do i my uncle, <laughs> listen my uncle just said oh i want a copy of your book well you're in there because right. you're the racist Right. So I'm sitting there saying, okay, I'm going to get him a copy. Oh, no. Because yeah. I know 
that this is uncomfortable. And, and it's not like I want to do it right. because I want right. to disparage somebody, right? right? I'm not trying to disparage. But what I am trying to say is, listen, I see you now. Right. I know yeah. who you are, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm acknowledging who you are and I'm telling you who you are, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you can't shut me up now, right? right. Because I was, I was very silent. We all, you know, uh, because I didn't want to lose that part of my life, mm -hmm. you know, up. but see, I think that, you know, thank God, you know, he's given me the strength to say, Hey, you know, I got you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I feel like, you know, this is the way this, this listen, it has to be known. It has to be said right. or for me, you know, it's not so much about them anymore. It's about what right. helped me heal, yeah. right? right? And they decide that they want to walk away, yeah. then it's okay today. I accept that. Yeah. I accept, absolutely. You know, I absolutely accept that, you know? So, you know, it is yeah. what it is. And, and like you said, it's important to realize that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Every two minutes, yes. someone is being sexually assaulted. Yes. Every exactly. two minutes. Yes. And um, and a lot of these cases are not being reported. Yes. That's However, there has so been approximately over 300,000 sexual, sexual abuse cases just in the United States. Yes. So in other parts of the world, they're not being reported at all. Yes. It's so enough. that's a great amount of people you know, yeah. that are being sexually abused. Yes. And, um, you know, one of the things that is so important in this journey of healing is realizing that it's not your fault. It's yeah, yeah. never your fault. Yes. Yes. And that is something that survivors tend to have a struggle with, mm -hmm. is blaming themselves, saying, yeah. I should have, I would have, I, yes. you know. Yeah. It's true. It's never your fault. Oh, not. You know, during that trauma, sometimes you're not sure what to do. So the blame is totally on the perpetrator. Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. yes. Even if you went along with it, it's still mm -hmm. the perpetrator who mm -hmm. did this to you. Yes. And it's considered a crime, actually. Yes, yes. And it's, often, it's often a crime against you. Yeah. Mm. And you also mentioned about the family. You know, in families, it's usually very taboo to talk about this. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it has happened to them and yes. they don't yes. know how to deal with it. Yes. That's the mm. main reason why family members either <laughs> will not believe the survivor right. or yeah. would not want to. Talk about it. Yeah, it's well, they yes. don't know how to deal with it. Yes, but tell about the uh, the uh, generational right. trauma, Betty, because we all know about that. <laughs> like you, yes. usually, usually whoever's the silent one, if if the leader is silent, the children yes. are silent. If the children are silent, absolutely, silent. absolutely, and that's very common with even mothers. Yes. You know, sometimes right. the mother has been sexually abused. And when her child comes to her, that is a trigger for her. And the same way she responded when she was sexually abused, mm. and that could have been 20 or 30 years ago, is mm. the way she's going to respond 
when that child tells her that wow. he or she has been sexually abused. Always remember that our stage of development becomes affected when we have been traumatized, especially yeah. with sexual abuse. Everything stops. Yes. It's, wow. Yes. And Freud talks about that a little bit of about children in the say different stages. I'm, yes. I'm a firm believer in mm -hmm. that. And I know that your sexuality is already developed by five. So if yeah. you receive trauma before that, yes, or after that, will mm -hmm. depend on your your whole uh, outlook on on relationships. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's pretty. Uh, you know, crazy. and a lot of people, you know, we call it maladaptive behaviors. Mm -hmm. Maladaptive behaviors is due to what has happened, the trauma, and ways to deal with it. Right. Some people turn to drug abuse right. because of the yeah. fact that they use drugs to numb, yes. numb those feelings or yep. numb those thoughts because it's yes. so overwhelming and confusing, Yes, especially if it's a family member. You know, how do you, as the both of you mentioned, if you are at a family gathering and you see the perpetrator or a family member is aware of what's going on, I mean, your mind is so inundated with yes. what has happened to you, you can't even enjoy the family. Right. Exactly. You know, so again, some of the maladaptive behaviors would be uh, the way we they are t internalized Right. Um, so it can be through substance abuse, uh, your yeah. relationships with others. Trust is a huge issue. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Being it's overly protective of your children. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I have mean, to the extent go. where it's hard for them to develop because right. they're dealing with you and your trauma. Yes. Yes. True. Yeah. So it's something, yes. you know. Absolutely. So the healing process basically is when you do have a narrative, mm -hmm. writing a book, or mm -hmm. just being able to bring all of those thoughts together. Mm -hmm. It's part of that healing process. Yes. Because when you are trying to block out a trauma over the years, those thoughts become very fragmented. Mm -hmm. yes. Right. Yes. So when you are talking about it to someone, you're just trying to recap and remember mm -hmm. those different, um, yes. like trying to have a narrative. Mm, yes. And that can be a process. Mm, yes, absolutely. You know, big, that's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. It, it is a great process. And you know what's so crazy? You, you speak. Uh, you talked about you know, uh, drug abuse. And so that's mm -hmm. like my story, right? Because yeah. I found an outlet. That was my outlet. That's that it. was like that's a right. storm. That's right. And I couldn't mm -hmm. see coming, right? Yeah. But mm -hmm. I found that relief. Yes. To make me able to, you know, to be around those yeah. people because that's, that's right. that was a mechanism for me. Absolutely. You know, when I was telling people, I needed a drink because yeah. I did not deal with looking at you with, with, right. with these eyes there yeah. on my brain that was that was not medicated, right? Yeah. I needed something else to mm -hmm. make me feel good, right. even yeah. about you. That's you know, forget right. about me, but right. definitely about you guys, right? right. Yeah. So it was like, 
So that was, you know, and you said, like, listen, this thing, it is so deep and there's so many parts to it. Yes. It's you so know? And, and it's like mine had so many parts to it. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and drug abuse was my biggest part, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And until I was able to get the help that I needed in that area, mm -hmm. I could not do anything. Yes. Okay. I was so, my brain was so medicated and so just, I mean, I disproportionate. Like it was just great. Yeah. That I had to, you know, I didn't even think that, I, I mean, it was years before I even knew what it felt like not to have a substance in my body and yeah. to feel because I didn't feel anything. Absolutely. I didn't feel for years and years and years. And when I got clean, it was like all these feelings were so right. overwhelming. You yeah. know, so it's very important. You gotta, you gotta get people around you. You have to get the help that you need. Yeah. Because yeah. not this is not an easy journey. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people try to, you know, make it seem like, oh no. You're gonna go through some crap, and and you need to prepare yourself for that, and to be able to deal with all those feelings that are that are gonna come with it, yes. without right. trying to mm -hmm. find something else to minimize or rationalize what it is that you're feeling. That's right. right. You have to you have to be able to go through it. Yes, because you can go through it, and yeah. you can. Get Right. Yeah, absolutely. But you have to be able and you need and you can't do that alone. No, and absolutely. You cannot do it alone. I mm -hmm. listen, like I'm here to tell you it is not going to happen. Yes. Oh. You have to get the help that you need. And I don't know what the problem may be for each individual, but you gotta get help. Yes. You gotta, yes. you gotta get help. You well, know what advice would you guys give to to somebody, because I mean, I, I I like to focus on children and teenagers uh, a lot, even though it, it's everybody. But I really right. like to focus on them because they are the ones that are, that are in families that they can't get out of. They need they need someone to have a roof over their head. They can't provide for themselves. So, what is something that we would say to them? Because every nine minutes, uh, a child is being abused, and that's crazy. Every mm -hmm. every nine minutes, uh, and that is uh, every sixty eight second. Every sixty eight second seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. But every nine minutes, they're saying a, a, the victim is a child. I so think the biggest thing for a child, you know, I think that it's so important for them to understand and to know that they are not alone. Mm -hmm. Right, they are not the only ones mm -hmm. who have experienced something like this. Listen. I thought that my story was so unique, right? That I was so afraid to share it because I didn't know what the reaction of the world was gonna be, right? Because I never knew that I wasn't the only one. Right. The that were happening to me, I felt like they were just happening to me. Like there was no one out here that knew or could understand my dilemma. Right. And, I, and people, listen, these kids need to know there are a lot of us out there Mm -hmm. There are a lot of us out there who have, who want to extend our services, who want to extend our hand to help, right? You're, you're not alone. You don't have to do this alone, you know? Yeah. And so they have to understand and know that, listen, if you tell 
There are people out there that are willing to embrace you and bring you in and protect you and love you until you're able to love yourself again. And that's, yeah. and you know, that's, I think that's important. It's, it's important to let them know they're not, yeah. they're not alone. Yes, I, absolutely. I, I, and, and just to piggyback on that, it's so important to uh, educate the caregivers. That's yeah. the parents, you know, the mothers, the yeah. fathers, yeah. the sisters, the brothers, everyone right. needs yes. to be educated yeah, on some of the signs and symptoms of a child being sexually abused. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. you have to be so aware of that quiet child yes, or the yes. child who appears depressed mm -hmm. or that child who's very promiscuous. Yes. yes. You know, when you see like a child acting out in a very sexual manner, mm -hmm. that child is picking up on something and from somebody. Yep. Yes. So and, you, you understand. So that's why it's so important to be aware of these signs and symptoms, um, in order to combat this trauma before it continues. Yes, yeah. and also another one is uh, when they're very angry and, and lashing out at people, bullying, and and being very violent, yes. being yes. Very violent behavior, killing animals. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's tons. Absolutely, of absolutely, yeah. tons of signs, but. I, I would think any social worker, any teacher, mm -hmm. uh, any doctor, that's another thing. Doctors never even picked up on my, my, um, on anything that was happening to me. And a lot of children, I don't know how, you know, how I thought, I thought all doctors did that with underwear when you're younger. Um, they don't, they don't, but your parents there, your parents there, but I thought they all checked, but I guess not. I don't know how that works. Uh, but I don't know how you'd not know a four year old being. Well, here's the, here, here's the thing. You know, when, you know, today in society, when we see children acting out, you know, the teenagers that are in the juvenile justice system, you know, you got them filled with kids and everybody says, you know what, they just are bad kids. And and the truth yeah. Is, yeah. is that there is a story. There's always a beginning right. of someone's story. And, Absolutely. and I feel that that needs to be implemented more. Listen, Absolutely. you need to understand mm -hmm. the beginning of this kid's story because right. there is always a story mm. behind the behavior. Yes. There is always yes. a story, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that it's become so overwhelming even for our system today that, like, listen, there's just not enough mm -hmm. people that are coming forward to really put in the time because, listen, this is a time effort kind of yeah. thing. This is yeah. not a quick fix. This yeah, is something that you cannot fix with jail. No. You cannot fix this with a pill. No. Nope. Okay? You cannot fix this. You know, it's just there is no magic pill for this. Nope. We have to, like you said, and I'm going to pick it back off of you. We need to educate. We, yes. need, to mm -hmm. out there. we need to be out there telling the truth. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Instead of giving people diagnosis. And, 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 you right. know, exactly. and listen, why don't you find out what's really going on? Exactly. Because nine out of 10 times, yes. there is something going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, yeah. Show as me a people, trauma and I'll show you a past. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, you know, and as you mentioned with diagnoses, like anxiety. Yes. A child yes. that's been sexually abused, anxiety is yes. a huge piece. Switching all yes. the time. Yes. yes. Anxiety, yes. Um, OCD, obsessive compulsive yes. disorder, right? Constantly washing. You know why? Because yes. 
when they when that when that survivor was being sexually abused, they felt very dirty. Yes. Right? Yes. And also sitting in it. One feels a sense of loss of control. Mm. Mm -hmm. See, loss of control is a paramount to yes. this whole dynamic. Yes. Right? When you when one is being violated, mm. their power has been taken away from them. Yeah. So in order to heal from this, the goal has to be to gain control over your life. Absolutely. 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 Because when we feel in control, mm -hmm. then we have we can make better choices. Absolutely. We can um, you know, we can we can feel some form of power. Yeah, absolutely. It's only when you feel powerless. Yes. That's there you go. You make poor judgment, poor mm -hmm. decisions. Yes. And that's why many survivors or sometimes they can end up in the same situation. Mm. One can end up sexually abused, not once, but many times. Yes. yes. Why? Because the way they handle their situation mm -hmm. becomes very common. They mm. keep doing the same thing, the same behavior, the same Insanity. outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Insanity. Insanity. Yeah. Absolutely. That's very definition. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any last words, lady? Because I want to wrap it up, but I want to thank you uh, so much. Any last words before I do my little plug here? <laughs> well, I, you know, for me, I just want to tell people that, listen, there is help out there. You know, I just want to tell people that, listen, you know, <clears throat> healing is possible. You know, we can get through this mm -hmm. and we can get through this together. Right. Um, and, and you don't have to do this alone. You know, there are people that are out here that are willing to listen to your voice mm -hmm. that are willing to embrace you and to love you mm -hmm. and to help you through. And so, you know, never ever think that you're by yourself in this, you know? So, yeah. Thank you very much. That's a great advice, Betty. Any last request? Uh, I would say it's never your fault. Mm -hmm. Never, ever, ever your fault. Yes. And, um, you know, there's help out there. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so important to realize that you're not alone mm -hmm. and you are in control now. You're mm -hmm. no longer the victim. Yes. You are a survivor. Mm. Yes. yes. And and um, thank you very much. And I will wrap it up by saying, um, you know, uh, Another form of victim shaming shame is shell proof. You you don't owe anyone any explanation That's except right. yourself for your healing purposes. Everybody else is lucky if they get to hear anything. So you don't ever have to share if you don't want to share. And if you absolutely share, no one can shut you down but yourself. That's it. Absolutely. Because you have to stand. And sometimes you got to you have to stand for something or fall for anything. Absolutely. And if, you, if you're standing up for yourself. You have to stand your ground on it. You can't waver and be like, well, maybe. You have to know that you are in the right. There's nothing you did that was wrong. Absolutely nothing. So don't allow people's family members or your family members to tell you you're crazy or you're wrong or like forget about it. Those are the worst things you could possibly tell a victim. So if you're a family out, family member out there listening and this is something that happened to your family or to some, you know, a family friend or something like that was the, the perp, um, 
you need to start learning to to listen to the victim, to the family member, especially children, I mean, to anybody, but you need to listen. And even if you didn't accept it for whatever reason, the one thing you can't do is tell a victim that, you know, oh, just, well, that was, that was 20 years ago. Why are you talking about it now? Like that's not appropriate, you know, especially when it comes to little kids who now may be 15 and telling, that's very, very inappropriate and it will bite you in the butt later. Trust me, all things happen in the dark, they come out in the light. Yes. So you may not see it. I may not see it. But you better believe somebody going to see it. Yeah. So whether yes. it's eating, whether it's drug addiction, whether it's prostitution, whether it's suicide or homicide, it's coming out. Trust yeah. me. And the, and and the I, it is, the more damaging that that will be. Go ahead. Sorry. Absolutely. And I just have one more thing I want to share mm-hmm. is that there are a lot of rape crisis programs that yes. offers free counseling to survivors of sexual abuse, and it is free. Yes. So it's something that you wanna inquire about because not everybody (laughs) understands your story. Yes. So you have to pick and choose who you share this information. Mm -hmm. Some can make you feel worse than better. Yes. So it's important to choose who you share this information with. And a trained therapist is one of the greatest uh, assets to this recovery process. Absolutely. And, that, and that's what helped me get through uh, 30 years of therapy. But it took a while, but I made it there. And um, and we can all make it there. Trust me when I tell you, I know people that have survived the most horrific types of abuse that you could possibly known to man. Uh, and they made it through. Why? Because they did the work. Nice. So if you're willing to do the work, you can always get through. The fact that you're alive, you can hear us speak. That yes. is big. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. So, you know, thank you. And I want you to stay with us, whoever you are, wherever you are, tell it all. And Rain's number is on here, 1-800-656-HOPE. Uh, that's uh, the name of the organization is Rain. I love them. They really yes. love women. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so make sure you get help. You can dial 311 too, right? Can't you dial 211 or 311 in Westchester? Two one one. You can dial three one one. Three one one will give you access to any resource you probably need to know. Yes. If you can't think. Yes. Just dial it. If you really can't think, dial zero. Dial the uh, the nine one one, and they'll they'll guide you. Exactly. Whatever well, it takes. Whatever. And actually, there there's a number uh two two one two five seven seven five seven 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 seven. Okay. That's yes, all. that's the hotline number, and they would be able to link you with a rape crisis program or a domestic violence program. Oh, 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 okay, and domestic, okay, okay. And domestic violence. Oh, okay, DV, DV. I'm just putting it in the chat so people know. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for being my guests. Um, uh, you, you have been with us. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Thank my you. Podcast community, you've been listening to author Elizabeth Graybill and to clinician Betty Dudas. I thank you both. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't heard, ladies and gentlemen, please go out and get a copy of Unbreakable Me. I'm a lopsided here. Unbreakable <laughs> Me. Um, yes, I look forward to that. Yes, Elizabeth Graybill. And Elizabeth, oh, do you remember your um, YouTube page? 
no, I really don't. With her, like, what's the YouTube page? She's like, I renamed it. I will have it on my page at some point, so you can go to my page and find her page. Yeah, you can find my page. Oh, you go to her. Elizabeth Graybill. That's right. Hey, duh. That's right. So I thank you guys so much, and um. I guess um, I'll see you again on Sunday, and I'll see. Actually, I'll see you Saturday for Five Black Comics. Ooh, we're talking about Africans, African Americans, and Jamaicans. Why are we not getting along? How can we get along? How can we make it happen? So make sure you tune in five o'clock on Saturday, <laughs> and I will see you on Sunday. And yes. I guess we'll go out with this. Uh, we'll go out with our ending. Thank you, ladies. You're the best. And thank you, thank Tony. You. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank job. you. I appreciate yes, thank it. Thank you. And you, ladies, you ladies, hang out for a minute. Uh, don't leave yet. Ready? <laughs> <laughs>